Hello, and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this time around, we are talking about... Hope Floats. Hope Floats. 1998's Hope Floats, directed by Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> Which is, I don't know, it's funny. Oh, it is. It's funny. It, 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 it is funny. Like, what? Uh, I don't know. It makes me have a lot of questions about Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker that I didn't has, formerly have. Um, Forrest Whitaker has directed four four films, um, one made for television, three features. The made for television film, I believe, is called Strapped. It stars Bokeem Woodbine and Fredro Starr. So I'm assuming that it's like a gangster thing. Um, then he directed Waiting to Exhale which is his only good movie. And then he directed Hope Floats. And after a while, he directed 2004's Katie Holmes' vehicle, First Daughter. <laughs> First Daughter really ending strong there, Mr. Whitaker. With four, you're a great actor, but directing, nah, man. Like, I understand there. there's this Hollywood trend of actors you know, dipping their hands in directing or, or even writing screenplays and, you know, actual production beyond throwing money at a movie. And, and that's, that's good, especially, you know, for artists who have had their eyes on other parts of the whole filmmaking process. But again, like how I feel with J-Lo acting, once you realize it's not your thing, just go back to what you're good at. <laughs> Or, or try or try something new. For, Forrest Whitaker, if you're listening to this, I think you're an incredible actor. Oh, yeah. Incredible. You're a far better m- m- film director than I am, since I'm not a film director. But I just, I just think that your talents should be used with acting. You know, while I was watching this movie, uh, I, I said out loud... I've seen Lifetime movies more thrilling than this. I've actually seen Lifetime movies that were better shot than this. Um, and, so, and, and so let's get into uh, one of the things that I did research on, because I actually did research on this movie, because I had heard that this was a movie that was very important to Sandra Bullock at one time. I don't know. I read a lot of movie stuff, so it just like came up uh, that she like helped produce Hope Floats, and she started her production company, which is called Fortis Films, and Hope Floats was the first movie made in her production company. Um, the next couple movies were, there were some shorts that she did. She directed a short called Making Sandwiches. I don't know how good that is. Um, this production company made Practical Magic, Miss Congeniality, a movie called Gunshy. A whole lot of the George Lopez show. Like, I think the entire... I think the production company produced the entirety of the George Lopez sitcom from 2002 to 2007. They produced Miss Congeniality 2, Two Weeks Notice, and the very last film that this production company made, which I don't know if that means that it's over now, is all about Steve. What year was that? All About Steve was 2009. That was the same year that she won the Oscar for The Blind Side because Blind Side also came out in 2009. Oh, yeah. I try to 
block out the fact that she won an Oscar for that one. Oh, yeah, because who cares about oh. the blind side? But also, like, that was, like, her big comeback thing. It's like, oh, All About Steve was one of the worst movies of 2009. 2010 rolls around, though, and when the Oscars come around, they're just like, oh, but you were also in the blind side. Here's an Oscar. And usually when people get an Oscar for, like, movies that they definitely don't deserve Oscars for, it makes you wonder what wasn't what was actually intended for Sandra Bullock but as much as I love Sandra Bullock and I do that's a white woman that I stand for I love her I don't know how I feel about like her and like her black son I've heard good things but you know I also know about Madonna and her black son and her black child and I'm just like between these white women and their black children I'm very very skeptical but apparently Sandra Bullock you know very, very into being a good mom, very into being like culturally responsible for this black child. So I hope that turns out well. But what is Sandra Bullock moving or moving away from her mothering skills? Is Sandra Bullock a good actress? Uh. See, this is a hard question because it's like everybody because loves everything her. Everything that I like her in, it's like it's like you know, those actors and actresses where you're like, oh, I love them, you know, and, and there's some actors and actresses who I have no idea what they're like, but I know that they're a good actor. Sandra Bullock is one of those where I have a feeling for her basic personality and that's why I like her, but yeah. it's hard for me to know where her personality starts and where her roles start. And because I, I, maybe she's such a good actress that the roles I like her the most in aren't anything like her, but she's just good at it. But, but they feel like they're partially her. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I'm trying it's to kind think. of like, it's kind of a Bill Murray thing almost. I feel like people like Bill Murray and he's like, I don't know if he's actually a good actor. I know someone will like threaten to dox me for saying that, but like, you know what we should do? Um, um, he just kind of is this guy and he has this certain personality and people like love it. And I feel like Sandra Bullock is very different than Bill Murray, but I feel like she's people who like her, like her. And there's just this Sandra Bullock thing. It's not like, Oh, like I love her in Miss Congeniality. I love there's, there's certain movies I can name that I love her in, but I think of her as Sandra Bullock in every movie. Well, yeah. And I'm trying to think like, I'm trying to think if there's any movies of hers that could have been Oscar bait. There's like divine secrets of the Yaya sisterhood, oh, which yeah. like I've never seen. I like liked I, that one. I know that a lot of men don't like it, but I can't tell if it's because it's a bad movie or because they're men. It's always hard to tell. It's always, it's, it's always difficult. Um, she was in infamous, which came out, had the, had the, which was a Capote story that had the nerve to come out a year after the Capote with Philip Seymour Hoffman. So nobody watched it, but uh, she played Harper Lee. I don't know how she is in that. Maybe she's amazing. Um, Gravity. Uh, Maybe that's something that we should watch. Maybe we should watch Gravity and see how good she is in Gravity. I haven't watched Gravity yet. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Um, But it's like, I mean, she's the main character and she's out in the expanse of space. So like if there was a time for us to figure out, can Sandra Bullock act? I would assume that Gravity would be it because I don't give a shit about the blind side. No, thank you. (laughs) And she, yeah, and Gravity got a lot of, good reviews and people yeah. said that she did really well 
So that yeah. would be that would be a good litmus test. Yeah, we should do that. Like when yeah. we're do- when we're done with this episode, like just just like as a side thing, we're not going to do it on the show, but like yeah, I was we say, should it's we too should good for the yeah <laughs> we should watch we should watch Gravity, and then when we come back, we'll we'll like be able to say definitively is Sandra Bullock is she a, a good actress? Can exactly. she do it? Um, but right now we're at Hope Floats, which we haven't really talked about the plot of Hope Floats yet. Uh, essentially, it's about a woman who husband cheats on her with her best friend and she and she gets humiliated on national TV because that's where the revolution, the revelation happens. And then she packs up her daughter, baby Mae Whitman, and goes back to the small town that she grew up in in Texas with her mom, Gina Rollins. And she tries to put her life back together and is romanced by Harry Connick Jr. And so Harry Connick Jr. plays um, a guy who has known her since high school. And he, like, they, I think they kissed once in high school. They never actually dated, but he was always in love with her. Very much one of those things. And he has also left Texas, gone to California, and he's back. So they're both kind of, they're back for different reasons, but it's like they're back in their small town. And he's still there, very much has eyes for her. And so... Oh, yeah, from the moment that we see him, it's just like there is no question that he is in love with her. And and she she's back because she's her whole life has fallen apart, you know, or or at least her whole marriage has fallen apart, you know. Her husband and supposed best friend have been cheating. Um, yes, together. Rose, that is um, Michael Pere. At least I'm pretty sure his name is Michael Pere. I don't feel like looking. Um, and uh, Rosanna Arquette. Rosanna Arquette. Uh, who is, you know, kind of like an archetype for this role, I feel like. It's like, oh, of course it's Rosanna Arquette. <laughs> yeah. Of, of course, because, like, I'm thinking about her and the whole nine yards and the whole ten yards, which are both technically rom-coms, so we could do them. Um, and, like, basically her her character in the whole nine yards is just, like, a terrible woman who, like, smokes all the time and, like... Uh, Oh God! What's the dude's name from who plays Chandler and Friends? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she is like she is like she is like entrapped Chandler, and he wants to leave her to be with Natasha Henstridge, who is like kinder because Rosanna Arquette just kind of has this kind of like angular, like could be sinister kind of look to her. Like if that was my best friend, I don't know, man. I don't know if I would trust Rosanna Arquette. <laughs> She doesn't have a very. She doesn't look know, friendly. You want your best friend to have kind eyes. Yeah, she doesn't have kind eyes. Um, she, yeah. So like, so you know, Sandra Bullock is not feeling like. Not only did her husband she lose her husband and best friend because they're liars, but they humiliated her on national TV. Oh so yeah, everybody knows it's uh, the small talk of the fucking Texas town. Like people on this fake Ricky Lake show hosted by Kathy Najima, which is amazing. I love Kathy Najima, but like. And so, you know, so when Sandra Bullock gets back to the small town, she runs into people and there's definitely that small town vibe, the good and the bad. There's people who are really excited to see her. And then there's the women, particularly in the town, that kind of have that catty to double edged sword in the way they talk to her where they'll like bring up the television show. And and um, so 
So Harry Connick Jr., of course, is rolling in just straight up like, hey, hey, girl. Well, it's like she was the prom queen. And like, apparently her husband was like, I don't know, captain of the football team or whatever. And like, and they, you know, they got married and then they like moved to the big city and like all this glory. And it's like now she's back. And now everybody who wasn't prom queen was just like, oh, see how the mighty have fallen. And everybody's just so catty. And like everyone's so like mean to her that it makes me think that she was really mean to them at a point, but it's, it's hard for me to see Sandra Bullock as a mean girl. So it just like, doesn't altogether work. Like it just feels like everybody, cause she just has yeah. one of those faces. Just like who, who would Sandra Bullock be mean to? It, like, and it's Sandra Bullock. Like if any, like it, it makes it seem like everyone in the town is petty. And this is not to say that humans aren't petty. Humans are incredibly petty, but it makes it seem like the vibe I get is that Sandra, her husband was always an asshole. The, the football team captain, you know, he's always been an asshole and she just happened to be deemed popular because she was like conventionally attractive and nice and in this small town. And then people hated her because they were jealous. And then like now she's back and these women are still like these grown ass women who are like 34, like all of them. Like I get it. There's going to be a few that are salty. I don't think she had any friends. Like, yeah, like there's going to be like that one bitch that's salty, maybe two. And if you were mean, sure, there's going to be some. But with Sandra Bullock, I'm like, I feel like these women, even if they are that empty, would like move on. Like they wouldn't care. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I was thinking while I was watching this and I tweeted this too. Um, the good version of this movie is young adults. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that one. Oh yes. Diablo Cody's young adult, which is one of my, t- my favorite movies of all time, which is kind of like a deconstruction of like what happens when the prom queen comes home and she wants to romance the boy that she knew in high school. And she wants to like, she basically, cause her marriage falls apart and she wants to like, kind of like psychotically like like become the center of attention more and like in all of this stuff. And it's like Charlize Theron and she's fucking hilarious and tragic and uh, mean well, Charlize and is wonderful. such an incredible actress. I could, she would be so good for that kind of role. Oh yeah. No, she's so good. And like, I was thinking about this, like I was like, she like in young adult, like you believe that she was a total bitch. Yeah. Like, you believe it. And you also can see like the sadness and the brokenness and the fact that she doesn't know what to do with her life anymore. And like, that's the thing that's like really missing for me in hope floats. Like, she everyone's mean ev- like literally everyone even little may whitman which i mean may whitman is a monster which, in this like, movie i wanted her to die like, i was like kill and she's this like kid. a child like okay so <laughs> i like like i like i love may whitman as an actress and, and baby way i can't talk baby may whitman is so cute with her little glasses and just like just little yeah she's so cute but And I understood she's a child and a lot of the way she acted in the movie made sense for a child in this position who doesn't understand what's actually happening. But even so, I was still mad at her. (laughs) She was, uh, it was very much like she, you know, missed her dad, which makes sense. And, and held resentment towards Sandra Bullock for being depressed and for not like, basically she blamed her mom for her dad cheating, which again, it's never really, you it's know, never really described like how much she actually knows about what's happening. 
even though she's like nine, eight or well, nine. Like, here's the thing: like the way that she acts, like I get that she's upset, but she acts like she has no relationship with her mother at all. She acts like they were never friends. She acts like they never bonded. Like the way that she latches on to her father is very strange to me because her father strikes me as a person who doesn't know her very well at all. Like in the times that we see them together, especially that heartbreaking scene at the end. Oh my gosh! Like. He doesn't seem like he knows her that well at all. Like, it, it, like I get that she's projecting. I get that she's a kid. But she is just, like, emotionally abusive to her mother. Like, there's no two ways about it. She just makes her mom feel like shit. And her mom already feels like shit. Because what Sandra Bullock's journey in this movie is, is realizing that she never took the time to create a personality for herself and to create a path for herself. She only seemed to thrive because other people liked her and she seemed to live with that. Like that seemed to be what kept her going. So when her husband stopped liking her, it's like she lost all sense of meaning and purpose. And she's just a shell, like just like a shell of a person in this movie. Like there's just nothing going on. Yeah, there's not even like a brokenness. There's no like flavor to her brokenness, you know, like, yeah, like how like, everybody's personality paints the way they like deal with trauma. Like her trauma feels like beige because like and it's not that I didn't have empathy. I did partly because I like Sandra Bullock yeah. and because like the actors in this movie are good. Like it's just again, like you said, she just hasn't developed a strong identity and and then once her husband, who she knew since high school, like removes the crown from her head in front of everybody in the world on TV, you know, then and the whole town knows that she grew up in like, yeah, she's like back to square one. And, and then her daughter is like, I want to live with dad. And like, if you'd loved him more, he wouldn't have left you. So then and then Harry, Con meanwhile, Harry Connick Jr. So we're supposed to be rooting for him as like this, you know, like the good guy, the nice guy, like the, the guy, you know, back home that she should have been with. And like, you know, he wears a cowboy hat and he like, he paints houses around town, but he also like knows how to design. He has architecture skills and he's like building his own house and it's really gorgeous. He shows her in this one scene and she's like, wow, you could do so much more. And he's like, so could you. And then they have like this cryptic conversation about like the American dream and how like, it forces you to take what you love and like mutate it until you hate it. <laughs> and I was like, what? Uh, not that I didn't agree, but I was just like, where is this? What is, what day was this writer having? It's just like, <laughs> like during okay. this like forced deep conversation. I just, man, you know what? You know, every single time I'm just going to talk about Gina Rollins for a second. Um, Every single time she is on screen, she is like full of life and character and texture. And man, I wish that this was a movie about Gina Rollins. She's so good. Oh my God. She's what a vision. She's such an incredible actress. Yeah. So she's, she's Sandra Bullock's mom and, she did such a, she was such a great mom role because she was like overbearing. She's, 
she was kind of rude. Like she was slightly emotionally abusive at times to Sandra Bullock because she was on one hand, she was trying to help her by like forcing her to get out of bed, you know, good, healthy things. On the other hand, she would kind of berate her. It's like Sandra Bullock just got dumped and her mom's like, you need to get out there. You're not going to live forever. And it's like, whoa, calm down. What about healing? <laughs> like, like, she's like trying to match make. She's like oh telling yeah, no, her she, to. She like, wants her to be with Harry Connick Jr. From, from minute go. And like, it's like very obvious that like, and she says it in the movie that she never liked Michael Perret, which I mean, have you ever looked at Michael Perret? I mean, like, like he just. He's not even cute. Like yeah, not that that's the point, but I'm just like. He just looks like a big. Again, like him and the best friend look like people that would cheat on like that would lie to someone close to them and like cheat on them 100 percent. like he just looks like i i get the i kind of get the look like he looks he's big like you know broad-shouldered he looks like he could be a protector you know he's not too handsome so you would assume that you could keep him on a short leash but you can't because men ain't shit like <laughs> this movie was all like a lot of these movies come back but this was definitely a men ain't shit movie oh yeah 100 like, percent. which, which was is boring as hell but like you know, the guy that she ends up with is like this, you know, sweet single dad. And like, they seem like they'll have a fine marriage. Like this was like, I didn't even like Harry Connick Jr. that much. At first I was like, yeah, you're cute. You're charming. I get it. You have like this like cowboy like vibe. But like, he was also annoying because he was basically like, okay, she's back. She's going to fall for me. And then when Sandra Bullock's not immediately like down to fuck and like, start dating he's him. He's such a nice... Like, like, it's he's, like okay. he's totally the nice guy he stereotype. Like, he's like, fine, well, whenever you're done, like, mourning your fucking marriage. It's like, dude, chill. She's not even divorced like, yet. He's the ducky like, of this movie. Like, he's yes, just the ducky. And I'm just like... He even kind of looks like a duck, and I just he, didn't care. And he was just, like, wearing, like, white t-shirts. Like, he wasn't... And again, it was like, <laughs> he took her on a canoe, and it's like, we're supposed to think he's some magic hero because he's, like, paying attention to her. And it's like, yeah, he's paying attention to her because he's horny and because he has some sort of projection of her from high school like, like he doesn't, i guess he was like a dork in high like, school or something and he's just like oh man look look what happened to him over the summer hubba hubba like no one care no one cares about high school you have a 10 year old child who cares also like the other thing is like he like okay i'm i'm 27 and I don't know how old everyone in this is supposed to be, but I assume at least like 30s because of the age of their kids and like kind of the culture they grew up in. So I'm thinking maybe early, mid 30s. Um, and his way of trying to seduce Sandra Bullock is like by talking about how much he was into her in high school and like who which she is, was. And I'm like, gross. I'm younger than how they old they were supposed to be. And if some dude, if I went back to Seattle and some dude was like, you were so amazing in high school. I wish you were like that. Now I would punch him in the face. Like I was oh, yeah, a he's child like, I, like in you? high school. Like I didn't know who I was. Like Ugh. if somebody doesn't like me now, they don't like me. Like that's that. It's like so it's, and it's, I'm gonna, it's just it's gross i'm like, gonna bring it back to young adult for a second here so there is so Charlize theron she's trying to get her she's trying to get the 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 her dream guy the guy that she was with in high school prom queen prom king whatever um meanwhile there's a guy who liked her in high school and was a nobody in high school who like ha this is his in 
for like pity sex now, and he's played by Patton Oswalt. Oh my gosh. Oh um, yes. Oh sure. Oh, you want to see a movie where Shirley's Theron fucks Patton Oswalt, young adult? <laughs> oh God, I know. I don't. I, no, I like both of them, but wow, no. And like, and and so the crazy thing is that like Patton Oswalt has like the face of that guy. Whoa. Like, okay, we're gonna we're guy. gonna we're gonna move right along. <laughs> No, he does. How is that? Like, you brought it up. How is that fucked up? Okay, okay. <laughs> he just... Okay, so Pat knows what, like, his character... <laughs> you yet to tell me why you wanted to move along. He, no, wait, just let me, let me finish. His character in the movie only wants to fuck Charlize Theron because of who she was in high school. And he acknowledges that she's kind of a bitch now and a mess and he wants to fuck her anyway. And it's just like this, and she's not attracted to him, but she likes the attention. So it's just like this sad thing. And you're supposed to think it's sad. You're supposed to think it's uncomfortable because it is. It's a weird thing to do. It's a weird thing to just try to fuck somebody because they were hot in high school like it's it's weird you don't know each other it's strange i <laughs> wish that the i wish that i wish that hope Flutes acknowledged how weird it is but instead like he's just like it's like he's like her like confidence booster and he's just like no that's what he's supposed to be that's what a man is supposed to be he's supposed to tell you He's supposed to talk about how hot you were when you were 16. Like, no. I was like, there's this moment where they're sitting, like, at the drive-in or whatever. And so, again, like, if if they had dated in high school, like, actually dated, it might be different. Or if they were actually just, like, good friends, then going somewhere you went in high school and being like, wow, I feel like I'm in high school again. That's, like, a fun thing that's not completely weird. But because of their dynamic, he's like, wow, don't you feel young again? And it's like, first of all, they're not old. Like they're just adults. Like they're like not like they're in their thirties or something. Like they're not, this is not a movie about retired people or even people who are like late middle age. So when he's like, don't you feel young again? I'm like, it's very much that vibe of like, we miss high school, which like is something I can never. Okay. I was homeschooled. So obviously my experience is different, but it's Something about that cult, like that movie trope and the cult of high school that like I will never understand because I was a homeschooler and I went to weird alternative schools. So when I went to college, it was like awesome. Uh, But even if I wasn't homeschooled, I don't understand that mindset. Like it's depressing to me i mean <laughs> like, yeah, no it's really depressing and the thing like, about it is that it is very real like the reason why this keeps on happening in movies is because this is what people do they obsess over high school for the rest of their life and i get it kind of because i mean because i went to high, i went to public high school and it's like it's like this big like shared trauma that you all deal with like i'll always remember the time that i was dating a guy and i thought that we were like in love and then i found out that i was actually his side chick and then i was publicly shamed in front of the entire lunchroom like oh my god like i'll never forget that yeah never forget it but also like i'm not just gonna wake up every morning and just like 
Like, they, they're, think about, like, them all laughing at me in the lunchroom. And, like, I'm 25, so it hasn't even been that long. But I've already gotten over it. Mostly because I've been embarrassed in way bigger ways after that. <laughs> Real, so it just though. doesn't, like... College was way more embarrassing. And oh it's my just, gosh. like, also, that guy, was, that guy was terrible. And he's just, like, kind of a piece of shit. And, like, he's, like, he, like, hounded me for years. And, like, I remember one time when I got into... Once I got into grad school and I was getting ready to move to New York, I got a message from him and he was just like hey i'm like i'm really proud of you and i just want to take you out to dinner and i was like proud of you for what he's like oh well you got into grad school like i heard i was like we haven't been talking why are you proud of me you're, you're proud of me like you feel like you had a part of my success i don't know who you are anymore this was this was <laughs> like and even then it would it had only been four years and i was already just like ew get away from me <laughs> like i mean i remember yeah it's like there was this guy I worked with at a movie theater when I was like a senior in high school. And he was always mean to me because I like didn't drink at that point. I didn't really party. I would go to stuff, but I didn't really party at that point. And so, you know, in high school, that's like, Oh, you're lame, you know? And so he would just say like, he was just an asshole and he was like a sexist douchebag and he was mean to me and I was like not cool enough or whatever. I didn't do enough drugs. And then he like sent me a thing <laughs> yeah, last year that was like, I'm coming to New York. What's up? It'd be cool to catch up. And I'm like, this motherfucker. No. <laughs> like, first of all, we haven't talked in like four or five years. We were never friends. Second of all, do you want me to host you? Like, what's up? Like, I don't even want like, to talk to people that I was like, friends with for the first half of undergrad. Like, like <laughs> yeah, like I have people that I know and love that I still like wouldn't like that. You know, it's still like we don't have much to talk about at this point, And that's not even a big deal. You know, it's just life. So I'm like, why do you think this is not obvious? <laughs> like, uh, you know what? We could take we could take Hope Floats as like a cautionary tale. Like, don't don't stop growing after high school because we seem to we seem to have like stumbled into a twilight zone watching this movie where no one has except for Harry Connick Jr. And all he wants to do is like be superior about it because <laughs> it's just like oh yeah and the girl who used to be big and isn't big anymore because that's a whole trope like she lost weight after high school of course she did she became an adult she could regulate her own meals and she was making her own money people are like i'm not saying that like high school makes you fat but also like i know that i was eating a lot in high school just for the pain like <laughs> also yeah i was gonna say also like I don't know. Yeah, it's easier for you to access other... Uh, <laughs> it's easier for you because you're taking care of your own life. You're becoming your own you, person. You choose your you're own not food. your own person in high school. You also, like, it's all... Yeah, like, you also, like, <laughs> end up drinking instead of eating, which isn't better for you, that's for sure, but it affects your body differently. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. know, or, like, I was on a liquid having sex or whatever. Like, and, again, not condoning that as better than eating but yeah it's I just mean, like there, yeah things there are change so many reasons like okay like it just drives me i feel like we're not even talking about this movie and but like, that's okay because like this fine, movie is about war. what we're talking about yeah, you know it's, it's just about like, i lost weight after high school like because i moved out on my own and i was paying for my own food yeah <laughs> this happens all the time yeah i lost <laughs> yeah i lost like 10 or 15 after i moved out because it was like yeah, I was working a lot and making, yeah, I couldn't eat as much as I wanted because that's, you know, you have to pay for your own food. Yeah, it's just like. You, you don't have like a limitless supply of pasta and whatever. And um, high school is, 
High school is nothing. High school is horrible. It's, it's nothing. It's, it's like if you had a good time in high school, like congratulations. But like, if anything, that should just make you excited to like have a good time as a grown ass adult. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Like when I see high schoolers now, there's no part of me that's like wistful and like, oh, no, oh, I miss that or like jealous. And I don't feel old. I like, just want to run just, away like, from I'm them. like, I oh, my no God, you guys are so like annoying and terrifying but i also like feel a little empathy for you because i also know how awkward and like completely stupid you are Uh, yeah i have no interest in being around high schoolers whenever i see high schoolers i'm just like let me get away and usually when i run into high schoolers they like hit on me because i'm short like (laughs) (laughs) and i'm just like no thanks so funny no thanks i (laughs) let me let me get away from this before it's illegal like please go away um (laughs) before it's illegal before you reciprocate (laughs) yeah exactly because i'm just like i don't know what if you are a hot high school i can't tell the difference Hmm. between a high schooler and somebody in their early 20s either so it's even worse like i just can't stay away yeah just keep your distance stay in your age group just like yeah just the whole (laughs) like so okay this movie also like the premise of this movie is already depressing like this isn't a fun rom-com that's like yay like you know, this journalist meets this, this businessman. And this is this a movie is like, that Sandra Bullock really wanted to make. Like, yeah. I feel like this movie was very important to her. She thought that this was a very important role for her. And I just don't see... Like, like she she goes back to her hometown. She starts dating Harry Connick Jr. She starts taking pictures again, which it's always fucking pictures, isn't it? Isn't it? It's always fucking pictures. Oh, I remember when you used to take such beautiful pictures. It's always that. It's never anything else, huh? Just pictures? Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. She's uh, she's so she's uh, she's working at like a photo hut with just like this old man, and then her dad has Alzheimer's, and she hangs out with him, and Mae Whitman gets bullied by a fat girl, which like I only see that in movies. <laughs> Yeah, it's usually <laughs> the other way around. Yeah. Like if we're like statistically and yeah. and from experience being a fucking child and witnessing and being yeah. But yeah, she gets bullied and Ugh. And, well, like, and, and, and it's hard to feel bad for her either because she's just such a bitch in this movie like i hate calling a kid a bitch and like may whitman i love you like you're great on twitter you're pretty funny like but i just can't like just i and i see this this happens in movies a lot i don't know a lot about divorces so i can't say like if there's like a statistic or something but this thing where we constantly see the children the children hate the mother. The children blame the mother. And it's this very, like, weird, like, patriarchal thing. Like, you didn't compromise enough. You didn't give yeah. enough. You didn't, you didn't, you know, flatten yourself into a paper doll enough for this man. And now he is gone. And, and it is your fault. Yeah, like, it's also, <laughs> and it's interesting because on one hand, I hated that about may about little little girl but on the other hand i was like i do feel like i do feel like that happens like i mean there is there's a real thing and having been a nanny like man i remember this one family i nannied for the eight-year-old girl was so mean to her mom and so nice to her dad and she was an awful child and the mom was better about disciplining them than the dad was and that was part of the reason she was so mean to the mom but it was like it was a very weird patriarchal thing. 
and her mom didn't wear makeup. Like her mom like was a career woman and like had her own shit. But like, you know, because of patriarchal bullshit, I remember those little girl like saying mean things to her mom because her mom didn't wear makeup. And like, I mean, these kids were so horrible. I literally quit because I was like, I want to slap them. Well, because it's this idea um, that like, there's this idea that like, it's the mother that keeps the marriage together. No one gives men, the the fathers, the responsibility of keeping the marriage together. If the marriage fails, it's the woman's fault. That man should have like, that man should have worked out or that man should have like cleaned the house more or that man should have, you know, like all the stuff that we're like, even if we hate hearing it, we're so used to it. We, we almost like don't notice it anymore with women where it's like, Oh, well she didn't, you know, whatever. You never hear that stuff with men. Like never. It's yeah. And it's just like, she didn't do anything wrong. She is completely without fault. And this idea that like, this kid doesn't understand that her mom took her because her mom, Sandra Bullock knew that her dad didn't want her. Yeah. She knew. And she, and she certainly didn't want her ex best friend to be some sort of shitty, neglectful and possibly emotionally abusive stepmom. Like that's not, no, there's so many politics there. And like, and so this movie is like, okay. So I was saying to Jordan before we started recording this, for those who have listened to our past episodes, we, we covered uh, Runaway Bride in the past. And and this made me think a little bit of Runaway Bride because it felt like the whole movie, everyone was just shitting on Sandra Bullock. Um, much in the way that everyone was shitting on Julia Roberts and Runaway Bride. It was just like, oh yeah. even her mom, her mom's like, you need to get with Harry. You need to like basically stop being sad. Like, because that's that ever works oh my god Um, and and you know and you know what what really drove me across like over the over the fucking hill was when she gets drunk in the bar and she just tells off one person she's still very nice like for a drunk who's been through what she's been through her like she was still very nice and then the bartender was just like okay i think you've had enough she should she barely had anything to drink and she didn't do anything she should have told off that whole bar they're all assholes like they deserve to read and also like i don't know let's be real like if if (laughs) if i was at the point she was at in her life and i got like actually drunk i would be like so much worse like i don't know oh just, yeah 100 i would like man i've had the wrong combos of alcohol before and like ranted about like i ranted about like this predator in the comedy scene and was like i want to stab him like i said that at a, at a party yeah and, and people were like okay and then the next day they're like wow you were mad because like you know people have feelings in the world is a terrible place yeah so the fact that she was like you're mean like to this you're other mean woman, and your boobs who, are fake who like, is oh, mean? wow like and everybody's like wow you need to shut up i was like oh my gosh you guys are like like did was she popular like what is this like i i, I yeah did it's it. just this weird thing where it's just like everybody was just like everybody like did like had like a seance at the end of the they just like waited for her to leave and they're just like if she even gains four pounds we're coming for that bitch we're coming for her when she comes back we're gonna get her like <laughs> oh yeah and, and also like when she first arrives her mom is like you look like shit have you been drinking which it's like what the fuck 
fuck? What, who the hell says that to someone who just like had their Give husband leave them on national TV? And then that's one of Harry Connick Jr.'s line too. He's totally he totally nags her. He's like, "You look bad today." Like as if that's supposed to make her run into his arms. Like like Nick, like. like He's he's an annoying, immature asshole, and I don't like him. <laughs> oh no, I didn't like him either. Like, I really I don't. Didn't. And so basically, so this movie, this movie full of Sandra Bullock dealing with emotional crisis and like realizing she has no identity, but then having people mad at her for not having an identity, even though those very people are very predicated on the fact that she doesn't have an identity. Because if she formed one, they would all like turn on her for like. Right, to it's them. just like she's just like she's, she's just like there for everybody to shit on, and like it, which makes me think like you. Here's the thing: you there are there are two kinds of popular girls. There are the popular mean girls, and then there are just girls who just happen to be popular because everyone likes them. I think that Sandra Bullock was the latter, and so it's very confusing to me that everybody's treating her that way. Because, number one, I can't imagine Sandra Bullock being mean to anybody except for maybe Jesse James, which, duh, he deserves it. Um, (laughs) But, like, otherwise, I just don't see it, like... I, I feel like she was the kind of popular girl that everyone liked. Like I have trouble. Like it just doesn't even seem like the canon suggests that she was rude or something, but like, I just don't see it. And at no point does she ever lapse into it and give us a glimpse of like who that bitch was. Which makes me think that, that bitch just didn't exist. Yeah. And like, so all of this is happening and you're kind of, so Harry Connick and her hang out a few times and I think they like kiss, but they never like, Oh my god, they have a very sensual swing where he pushes her on the swing. Like that's I barely took any Ugh. notes. I took five notes in this movie. And my first note was like, are they having a sexy swing set moment? Yes. What are we doing? <laughs> like it was it was the sexy that that was the first thing that I took a note on. The second thing was um that weird chase scene where like an entire mob of kids chases down Mae Whitman, which like just doesn't it's just too much. And it was also like blurry too. Like it wasn't shot well. I don't do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, I do. It's just the blurry thing happened a few times in this movie. It was weird. Yeah, and then there was, after that happened, then there was the thing, the only moment of the movie that I enjoyed, which is when Sandra Bullock and Gina Rollins and, like, the nephew and the, and some other kid, like, do the lip sync performance thing. I was just like, this came out of nowhere, and it seems like it came from a different movie, but I am having a good time. Yeah, it was really cute, and it felt genuine. And, like, it felt like a good way to cheer up May after being bullied. Like, but, so, like, Harry Connick and and uh, Sandra Bullock have a moment, but even during the moment, like she's the whole time she's telling him no. Like she's like, no, I'm basically like, no, dude, I'm not interested. No, dude, I'm still sad. No, dude, I'm still married. And he's like, shh. He does that so many times. Oh my god, he'd be like, hush. And I'm like, no, motherfucker, no. <laughs> well, the she, thing is, is that he is a man. He is a strong man, and and that Sandra is Bullock's a broken woman, and, and we just like we must. Well, I mean, of course, you know, I blame we, these movies for so many of the shitty motherfuckers that I've gone on dates with. Like, oh my gosh, yeah, those motherfuckers watched these movies and they were like, I'll just interrupt her a lot and tell her to be quiet. Like, oh my god, uh, so like. So I'm just going to not respect your boundaries. It's going to be really hot. One of the most infuriating scenes in the movie is after 
um, Sandra Bullock and Harry Connick Jr. have their central swing moment. And Sandra Bullock comes home from work and her mom has set up dinner and is like, oh, like, what's his face? Like, Harry oh Connick's my coming God, over. That's so fucking infuriating me. The way they try to trap her into a date with Harry Connick Jr. What? And Sandra Bullock is like, I don't want to see him. I want to go upstairs and sleep. And her mom is basically like, I'm still your mom and you can't be rude. Like, basically, like, ordering around her adult daughter which like i have a good relationship with my mom and i when i go home and see my parents like i respect that it's their home but like i'm an adult woman and they don't get to talk to me like that anymore <laughs> like yeah i was just like where are the boundaries here and then so then sandra bullock goes and sits down and um and then and then Gina Rollins is like, oh, I actually already ate. And so she leaves them to- together. And Sandra Bullock is just, Sandra Bullock's tired. And she just, she tries to be nice, but set a boundary. And she's like, hey, I know you have a crush on me, but like, I'm really not in a place for this shit. And he just fucking blows up at her. And this is supposed to be like us. This is like total, like capital nice guy, like bullshit. Like we're supposed to feel bad for him or something. And he's just like, well, like hit me up when you're like sick of like, you know, waiting for your husband to come back. And like, and it's like, uh, okay. So this dinner scene, right? Okay. May Whitman loses her fucking shit. (laughs) And this dinner scene where she's just like, my daddy is going to come back and then he's going to kill you. And I'm just like, what is wrong with this child? This child needs to be in therapy. Yeah, like she's definitely and and later you realize also that like her dad has basically been lying to her like in at the end of the movie he's like telling her he's going to bring her to live with him and all this stuff. So like the dad's like with you know just like trying to I'm sure he's just saying whatever to get the kid to like, you know, be okay. She has this obsession like with abusive. like masculinity that I find like uh, either she got it from nowhere or she got it from him. Like, it oh, was, May. What? May, May does. Yeah. 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 I mean, totally. Like my, my like like she talks about her dad like he's some kind of fucking knight. Like he's going to he's going to come back and then he's going to slay you. And I'm just like, what? I also he's think not it's a dragon. I think it's partly I think I think some of that is like not to shit on Sandra Bullock, but I think some of that is like probably watching the marriage because what you also hear is Sandra Bullock saying things like, if I'd known I would have changed myself, which is like really scary and like not yeah. how things work and like shows how lower self-esteem was. So uh, I think that Mae Whitman like somehow absorbed the power dynamic in the relationship and, and, and therefore like formed more respect for her father, which is really fucking heartbreaking. And more respect for, like, men, like, in general and this, like, idea of, like, dominance which, like, really... Which is so scary and toxic. And it's just, like... uh, And so... Uh, this movie pulls the rug out from under us and has Gina Rollins die, which really, like, what the which fuck? really makes I was no so sense mad. Because, there's like, no reason. It there's not- no reason for it to happen, especially since she already has a sick dad. Yeah. Why didn't like, the dad die? Could she have like one parent, like one thing besides her shitty ass daughter? Like, 
So, yeah, Gina Rollinside, and somehow that's the thing that ties everything together. <laughs> oh, yeah, every, uh, like, the movie ends, like, very quickly after that funeral, and you're just like, there's no thematic reason why her dying, it's not like she really inspired anybody, like, she was a delight, she was Gina Rollins, but, like, she didn't, she yeah, didn't she was, do anything. She, basically what happens is, like, the last thing that happens before Gina Rollins dies is Sandra Bullock gets home and like Mae Whitman has been mad at Sandra Bullock. They've gotten in a fight and she doesn't want to see her mom. And this is like the night after Sandra Bullock had gotten drunk and like told off one bitch at the bar. And so Sandra Bullock gets home and Gina Rollins is with Mae Whitman and Gina Rollins is like having sweet grandma time and is like, oh, you remind me of my daughter, you know, of your mom. And then, you know, Mae Whitman's like, I'm not like her. And then like, and then Gina Rollins tells her some like sweet convoluted story about ants and they have like a sweet moment. And then um, Sandra Bullock like hears it and is like touched and she's like, thank you to her mom. And her mom goes to bed and then her mom like falls and dies, which is weird also because she seems really healthy. Like, oh, yeah, she seems like, very nothing, spry. Like, like she's like, older, but she's like she's running like she's she, she's, 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 da- she's dancing with a young man at the hoedown. Yeah, like, like so, she doesn't have a walker. She, she doesn't have out like, there. you know, she's not like I don't know. There's nothing. There's no reason. Like she's not super old. She's just like older. Yeah, so. like Gina Rowland. <laughs> yeah, like, she looks great. Like, she looks great. She I really does. Yeah. Like, like I remember. Like I even like even like uh, six years later in the Notebook, she still looks great. Yeah, yeah. Um, she yeah. So it was it was really weird, and so it brings us to this like painful ending, which is essentially the dad shows up at the funeral for to announce the divorce. Like he says, oh no, I wanted to wait a few days, but I don't believe him. Like, I feel like he came to the funeral to be like, okay, I paid my respects. Uh, the papers though, the papers, can you sign them? The papers like that's, that's, that's what he came from. That's what he came for. And Obviously, like we get our we get our one big fight between those two, um, Sandra Bullock and Michael Pere, because we don't really see them in together the as room. a couple yeah. much in the same room at all in the movie. If until this fight and this fight really just reveals to me that he is garbage. Yes. <laughs> like she's a cipher, definitely, but he is garbage. And he probably doesn't really know what love is. And he's probably off to ruin his life. And like I don't care. Like, I, I w- it's like, I would almost be worried about the next woman, but she seems pretty soulless. So I'm like, nah, they're going to like nah, both yeah. cheat on each other and like move on. It's like, going to be, yeah, it's going to be a shit show. And like, <laughs> like, I kind of wish that he had just like said that to Mae Whitman. Like, it's just like, no, we're just going to, we're going to, we're going to fuck like crazy and we're going to ruin each other's lives. <laughs> Yeah, like, we don't want you to be part of this. There's this whole dramatic thing where Mae Whitman is, of course, like, I'm going with my father. Oh, you know, my like, gosh. She you, mom. is like, so loud. This is the craziest, oh, most dramatic. She's, it's like she's trying to get an Oscar, this fucking kid. And then she and she's like following him out. And he's like, no, no. And there's this moment where he's like, aren't you going to help me to Sandra Bullock? Like Sandra Bullock's supposed to do the emotional labor of being like, hey, kid. Who I've never talked to me? this kid before. Yeah. like, uh, <laughs> And then and then like basically Mae like follows him to the car and she's like you said you wanted me you said this in the letters and he's like 
I will always will my princess, which is like a lie. And then, he, like, she's screaming and he drives off. Oh, yeah, she is horrible. Screaming her lungs out. My God. Just wow <laughs> what a performance from this from this kid what a what a what a what pure evil <laughs> i kind of like i was trying to imagine like a problem child with like baby may whitman <laughs> I just, and i i mean and i think like may whitman's always been a good actress she, like always yeah and she like I think she does a great job because she does act like a lot of kids. Like she does. Like because she also like does later is like I love you, mom, and like she's she's human. Like she's not just like a kid who's just screaming the whole time. But but like knowing what Sandra Bullock's going through, you're just like oh gosh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like if I was ugh. younger, like if I had watched this movie as a kid, I would totally be on her side. But because I'm 25 years old and like you know what the world is yeah i'm just yeah. i'm just i just like i kept on thinking shut the fuck up this entire time and near the end though like it is a poignant ending or whatever but i still kind of think that like there should have been a scene where she was just like wow i just put you through hell i'm sorry like a flash like during the credits like a flashback she's like 18 she has yeah, like somebody, her lip pierced. she's like i'm so sorry mom yeah like, I, was I remember that time like, that i was just a complete piece of shit <laughs> i'm so sorry but yeah how it really ends is that like Sandra Bullock who spent most of the movie trying to avoid Harry Connick Jr. ends up with Harry Connick Jr. and also her mom is dead and also she's got a dad with Alzheimer's that she has to take care of and also there's the nephew character which makes me think that Sandra Bullock is being pushed into this like entire ready made family unit that she wasn't ready for and I and no matter she how will sweet never they make form her, her own identity now never. Like, that's for sure she's never gonna have time and Harry Connick junior will just tell her that she was pretty in high school and like, like she'll probably like have more kids like totally yeah. totally like, it's it's and you know everyone in the town's gonna be mean to her because like no matter what she does apparently she's wrong so like it's yeah everybody's gonna be like oh so you're back in town and instead of the football star you're with this dork turns kind of semi-attractive man oh have the mighty have fallen like it's just I it's just, a I disaster hated, like most of the people in it and i felt bad for sandra bullock and may whitman reminded me why i don't nanny regularly anymore <laughs> and uh harry connick jr like the husband was definitely a piece of shit and Harry Connick Jr. was like the kind of guy who can definitely turn into a good person. I don't think there was any hope for the husband. Harry Connick Jr. could like become self-aware and like correct himself, but he's the kind of guy who doesn't seem like he will. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I just feel like, I just feel like she just got just like she left, like she was ha having big city life and then she went home and now she's going to have hometown life. Like, but it, all in the mix of it, I'm just, I don't see her achieving any happiness that's not directly connected to this man and his penis. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it just, it, yeah, I just got angry. This, oh, this yeah. Movie no, made me angry. I and was like, mad that I picked it. I was like, oh, it's Gina leaving. Gina Rollins dying was so, like, that made me so extra angry. Useless. I felt like it was this forced. I felt like it was trying to force this depth. And I was like, is this not heavy handed enough already? We have a father with Alzheimer's who's only pretty much used as a plot device for like certain scenes. Yeah. And then, I forget that he's in the movie when he's not on screen, like completely. Yeah. Forgetting. Like he's totally just like 
objectified in this weird way yeah that like that could alzheimer's dad you know just like the other like the way yeah that that's a whole nother like hour-long podcast oh my god about that the way that parents with alzheimer's are used in movies yes Uh, it's like a specific form of ableism i don't know yeah i don't like like it yeah it it made me feel gross because like yeah i had a grandma with alzheimer's like it's sad yeah it's sad and like I got angry. I was one of the reasons I was angry is because one of the scenes with him made me cry a little because like one of my grandmas had Alzheimer's, but like I also hated the scene. <laughs> like, yeah, and I was just like, this is so emotionally manipulative, and it makes me so angry. Oh my god, just or, uh, yeah, this movie. Like, so uh, I mean, it's just it's hard because like I will I will say I will say about Hope Floats, and and you can certainly disagree, obviously. Uh. I would not, even though I'm angry about this movie, like some of the movies we've watched, I would tell people to just never see. This is some one that I think like if you have a few hours and you want to be kind of pissed off and think about high school, you can watch this. It's got Sandra Bullock. It's got Gina Rollins. It's got Harry Connick Jr. Or is it good? No. No. Could he do anything else? Yes. Yes. Could you watch um, Young Adult instead? Yes, watch Young Adult instead, which, like, I've heard that people... I cried in the theater watching Young Adult for a lot of weird reasons. Like, that was an emotional experience that actually made me... That actually, like, affected me and changed me as a person. Whereas, like, Hope Floats just... Uh, <sighs> annoyed me? Mostly, yeah, oh, and also just like that ending line. Oh man, you gotta gotta give hope a ch- a chance to float up. Oh fucking die! Oh my gosh, yeah, because die. So, so there's like May. It's like May. A voiceover basically. It's supposed to be May. That's like my dad says. Childhood is the best time of your life, and like I think he's lying. It's like yeah, of course he is. He's lying sex shit. And then she's like, my mom says childhood is what you spend the rest of your life getting over. And I'm like, okay. You could have started the movie with that. <laughs> like oh, that yeah. would contextualize the whole movie. Yep. <laughs> like nobody's gotten over their childhood, which like, hey, you know, it's corny, but there's truth there. But like, uh, yeah. Mm, well, that's those are my feelings. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so that was that was 1998's Hope Floats. Uh, a movie directed by Forrest Whitaker that has, I think, maybe two black people and one gets to talk. So, oh weird. yeah, that was another thing. I was like, <laughs> again, this is another movie set in the South. Um, now it's Texas, which is slightly different than like you know if it was set in Georgia or something. But it's I was still like, there's no black people really. Like there's huh. no Latino people. Yeah, no, that's, exactly. That was that was that's the real really kicker the for me. That was really weird. Yeah, I was like, huh. Like there's literally because there's a scene where there's like a dance, you know, and it zooms out and every I like looked and I felt creepy for like count. I was like, everyone's white, like every single person. Um, Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 (sighs) So, um, you know, for next week, we will. I don't know what we're going to pick. We're going to we're going to talk about it. It's a surprise. You are the listener, so you get to be taken on this ride. We'll let you know. But yes. um you can follow us at, at @bromancepod on Twitter, um website um badromance.lipson.com. You can listen to us on iTunes. You should rate us on iTunes and eventually I'll get on the Google Play and, you know, and see what else is out there. 
Um, and we're and I am working on getting some theme music. Um, oh my gosh, so, you guys! So yeah, so that's so that's all that's all coming. And uh, that's all. So and that's all, y'all. Yeah, I'm Jordan Searles. I'm Bronwyn Isaac. Bye, guys. Bye.